Chapter Twenty of the Green Rust by Edgar Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Kirsten Weber. The Green Rust by Edgar Wallace. Chapter Twenty. The Marriage. A quarter of a mile from Dean's Folly, a motor car was halted on the side of a hill overlooking the valley in which Van Herden's house was set. "'That's the house,' said Beale, consulting the map. "'And that wall that runs along the road is the wall the tramp described. "'You seem to put a lot of face in the statement of a man suffering from delirium tremens,' said Parson Homo dryly. "'He was not suffering from delirium tremens this morning. "'You didn't see him?' Homo shook his head. "'I was in London, fixing the preliminaries of your nuptials,' he said sarcastically. "'It may be the house,' he admitted. "'Where is the entrance?' "'There's a road midway between here and the river, and a private road leading off,' said Beale. "'The gate, I presume, is hidden somewhere in those bushes.' He raised a pair of field-glasses and focused them. "'Yes, the gate's there,' he said. "'Do you see that man?' Homo took the glasses and looked. "'Looks like a watcher,' he said, "'and if it is your friend's place, the gate will be locked and barred. "'Why didn't you get a bond?' Beale shook his head. "'He'd get wind of it and be gone. "'No, our way in is over the wall. "'The hobo said there's a garden door somewhere.' They left the car and walked down the hill, and presently came to a corner of the high wall which surrounded Dean's folly. Beale passed on ahead. "'Here's the door,' he said. He tried it gingerly, and it gave a little. "'It's clogged, and you won't get it open,' said Homo. "'It's the wall or nothing.' Beale looked up and down the road. There was nobody in sight. And he made a leap, caught the top of the wall, and drew himself up. Luckily, the usual chevaux de frise was absent. Beneath him, and a little to the right, was a shed built against the wall, the door of which was closed. He signaled Homo to follow, and dropped to the ground. In a minute, both men were sheltering in the clump of bushes where, on the previous day, Oliver had waited before making a dart for the garden door. "'There's been a fire here,' said Homo in a low voice, and pointed to a big, ugly patch of black amidst the green. Beale surveyed it carefully, then wormed his way through the bushes until he was within reach of the ruined plot. He stretched out his hand and pulled in a handful of the debris, "'examined it carefully, and stuffed it into his pocket. "'You are greatly interested in a grass fire,' said Homo curiously. "'Yes, aren't I?' replied Beale. "'They spent the next hour reconnoitering the ground. "'Once the door of the wall-shed opened, two men came out and walked to the house, "'and they had to lie motionless until after a seemingly interminable interval they returned again.' stopping in the middle of the black patch to talk. Beale saw one pointing to the ruin, and the other shook his head, and they both returned to the shed, and the door closed behind them. "'There's somebody coming down the main drive,' whispered Homo. 
They were now near the house, and from where they lay had a clear view of fifty yards of the drive. "'It's a brasa brush said Homo, in a chuckling whisper. "'A what?' asked Beale. "'A parson. A parson.' He focused his glasses. Someone in clerical attire, accompanied by the man whom Beale recognized as the guard of the gate, was walking quickly down the drive. There was no time to be lost. But now, for the first time, doubts assailed him. His great scheme seemed more fantastic, and its difficulties more real. What could be easier than to spring out and intercept the clergyman? But would that save the girl? What force did the house hold? He had to deal with men who would stop short at nothing to achieve their purpose, and in particular one man who had not hesitated at murder. He felt his heart thumping, not at the thought of danger, though danger he knew was all around, but from sheer panic that he himself was about to play an unworthy part. Whatever fears or doubts he may have had suddenly fell away from him, and he rose to his knees, for not twenty yards away, at a window, her hands grasping the bars, her apathetic eyes looking listlessly toward where he crouched, was Oliver Cresswell. Regardless of danger, he broke cover and ran toward her. "'Miss Cresswell,' he called. She looked at him across the concrete well, without astonishment and without interest. "'It is you,' she said, with extraordinary calm. He stood on the brink of the well, hesitating. It was too far to leap, and he remembered that behind the lilac bush he had seen a builder's plank. This he dragged out, and passed it across the chasm, leaning the other end upon a ledge of brickwork which butted from the house. He stepped quickly across, gripped the bars, and found a foothold on the ledge, the girl standing, watching him, without any sign of interest. He knew something was wrong. He could not even guess what that something was. This was not the girl he knew, but an Oliver Cresswell, from whom all vitality and life had been sapped. "'You know me?' he said. "'I am Mr. Beale.' "'I know you are Mr. Beale,' she replied evenly. "'I have come to save you,' he said rapidly. "'Will you trust me? I want you to trust me,' he said earnestly. I want you to summon every atom of faith you have in human nature and invest it in me. Will you do this for me? I will do this for you, she said, like a child repeating a lesson. I, I want you to marry me. He realized, as he said these words, in what his fear was founded. He knew now that it was her refusal even to go through the form of marriage which he dared not face. The truth leapt up to him and sent the blood pulsing through his head, that behind and beyond his professional care for her, he loved her. He waited with bated breath, expecting her amazement, her indignation, her distress. But she was serene and untroubled, did not so much as raise her eyelids by the fraction of an inch as she answered, "'I will marry you.' He tried to speak, but could only mutter a hoarse, "'Thank you.' He turned his head. Homo stood at the end of the plank, and he beckoned him. Parson Homo came to the centre of the frail bridge, 
slipped a prayer-book from his tail-pocket, and opened it. "'Dearly beloved, we are come together here, in the sight of God, to join together this man and this woman in holy matrimony. I require and charge you both, as ye will answer, at the dreadful day of judgment, when the secret of all hearts shall be disclosed, that if either of you know any impediment why ye may not be joined together in matrimony, ye do now confess it. Beale's lips were tight-pressed. The girl was looking serenely upward to a white cloud that sailed across the western skies. Homo read quickly, his enunciation beautifully clear, and Beale found himself wondering when last this man had performed so sacred an office. He asked the inevitable question, and Beale answered. Homo hesitated, then turned to the girl. Wilt thou have this man to be thy wedded husband, to live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate of matrimony? Wilt thou obey him and serve him, love, honour, and keep him in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep thee only unto him, so long as ye both shall live? The girl did not immediately answer, and the pause was painful to the two men, but for different reasons. Then she suddenly withdrew her gaze from the sky, and looked Homo straight in the face. I will, she said. The next question in the service he dispensed with. He placed their hands together, and together repeating his words, they plighted their troth. Homo leant forward, and again joined their hands, and a note of unexpected solemnity vibrated in his voice when he spoke. Those whom God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Beale drew a deep breath. Then, very pretty indeed, said a voice. The detective swung across the window to bring the speaker into a line of fire. Put down your gun, admirable Mr. Beale. Van Herden stood in the centre of the room, and the bulky figure of Milsom filled the doorway. "'Very pretty indeed, and most picturesque,' said Van Herden. "'I didn't like to interrupt the ceremony. "'Perhaps you will now come into the house, Mr. Beale, "'and I will explain a few things to you. "'You need not trouble about your wife. "'She will not be harmed.' "'Beale, revolver still in hand, made his way to the door, and was admitted. "'You had better come along, Homo,' he said. We may have to bluff this out. Van Herden was waiting for him in the hall, and invited him no farther. You are perfectly at liberty to take away your wife, said Van Herden. She will probably explain to you that I have treated her with every consideration. Here she is. Oliver was descending the stairs with slow, deliberate steps. I might have been very angry with you. Van Herden went on with that insolent drawl of his. Happily, I do not find it any longer necessary to marry Miss Creswell. I was just explaining to this gentleman, he pointed to the pallid young curate in the background, when your voices reached me. Nevertheless, I think it only right to tell you that your marriage is not a legal one, though I presume you are provided with a special license. Why is it illegal? asked Beale. He wondered if Parson Homo had been recognized. 
"'In the first place, because it was not conducted in the presence of witnesses,' said Van Herden. It was Homo who laughed. "'I am afraid that would make it illegal, but for the fact that you witnessed the ceremony by your own confession, and so presumably did your fat friend behind you.' Mr. Milsom scowled. "'You were always a bitter dog to me, Parson,' he said. "'But I can give you a reason why it's illegal,' he said triumphantly. "'That man is Parson Homo, a well-known crook who was kicked out of the church fifteen years ago. I worked alongside him in Portland.' Homo smiled crookedly. "'You are right up to a certain point, Milsom,' he said. "'But you are wrong in one essential.' By a curious oversight, I was never unfrocked, and I am still legally a priest of the Church of England. Heavens! gasped Beale. Then this marriage is legal. It's as legal as it can possibly be, said Parson Homo complacently. End of chapter 20 Recorded by Kirsten Weber